Hey there, everyone. Thank you for welcoming me to wherever you are. We have already uh, been in an atmosphere of worship and just, man, just getting our attention fully and completely on Jesus. I do want to remind you before we dig into the word today, I want to remind you of all the different ways that we have to give. THPShreport.com, also our text to give. Um, many different ways that you can give. Be a part of what the Lord is doing through the healing place, not just right here in our region in Louisiana, but all over the world. You know, our first fruits are so important. Giving our first fruits to the Lord, not just in in singing a song or listening to a sermon or getting the word in our hearts, but also our substance, our provision, and saying, Lord, everything I have is yours. So we want to encourage you. Uh, You'll find some links in the chat. Uh, for all of our different ways to give, whether that's your first fruits, whether it's a specific thing that you feel like the Lord's put on your heart to give to, whether it's Orphan's Hands, The Hub, Purchased, uh, Heart of Hope, uh, Care Pregnancy, whatever uh, that we're a part of in THP Compassion. That's kind of what we call our quote-unquote missions. Uh, giving is THP Compassion. Uh, we want to have a compassion for every uh, segment of society, and we want everyone to hear the good news of Jesus. So I want to encourage you to uh, be like the Macedonians. Give yourself to the Lord and then be known for not being selfish but selfless that we give of ourselves. Okay, with that, because a part of being Jesus' people is giving, right? Giving our substance, giving our provision so the Lord can use it all over the world to make His name known. So we've been in this thing we have been calling all year Jesus people, and you if you've been with us, you know that. You know that we've talked about Jesus' gifts according to Ephesians 4, and we've been walking through what we call Jesus' church. And this week, it we land in a place of the early church. Uh, we land in a place, go to uh, Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be today, Acts chapter 2. And the early church kind of set the tone for us because we know according to Matthew 16, we've, we've kind of laid this out, it, the foundation of the church is the revelation of Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. He established that with Peter in Matthew 16. That would be the foundation, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the foundation. That is unchanging. That is what we can build our life on is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We also know that Jesus is building his church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We know that Jesus is building his church. And if he's building his church, it means that it is a powerful church. It's not an anemic church. It's not an apathetic church. It's not an empty church. It is a full church. It's a powerful church. And last week we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. We also know that it's not a building made with hands. You know, that's one of the one of the things with uh, the the Jews is that you know it was the temple. It was the temple. It was those. It was the brick and mortar. It was the temple. And for people all over the world in those times, it was like if I can just get to Jerusalem, if I can just get to the temple, then I can be saved. I can get remission of my sins. I can I can be whole. I can be uh, you know I can I can I can be redeemed if I can just get to Jerusalem. But when Jesus comes, he sets all that on its end. He turns it upside down, and he says, "Listen, this is not a temple made with the hands of men, but a people. That's the church. A people." created in the image of God, the ecclesia, the called out ones, right? Filled with the Holy Spirit, not just the Spirit of God being with them, but in them. And now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
Because the early church really did set the tone. So many times people talk about, well, the early church, that was just for them. And I've always questioned that. How can that be? You know, when Jesus in Matthew 16 said, on this rock, he wasn't talking about Peter, a man. He wasn't elevating the apostles or the disciples in that, in that moment that somehow they were better than everybody else. Because we know that he not only prayed for his disciples and himself, but he also prayed for all those who would believe, right? But so many times we kind of layer this as if the early church was just kind of, okay, that's what it was then, but now it's this. We've, we've elevated ourselves, right? We've been enlightened. It's amazing to me that sometimes in the church world we live as the culture and we think that somehow we become enlightened. Listen, we will never, <laughs> sin will always be a part of humanity until that day. Until that day of judgment comes, sin is a part of humanity. We're never going to enlighten ourselves beyond that concept of the flesh, right? Yes, we're, we're in Jesus right now. We're, we're living in sanctification. We are redeemed. We live in the Spirit, not by the, not by the flesh. We're not driven by that or supposed to be driven by that, but by the Spirit of God. And sometimes we look at the early church, but listen, the early church set the tone for all of us. How do you live for Jesus? How, do you, how are you really Jesus' people? Because from the beginning in the early church, there were four distinct priorities of the early church. Let's look at it in Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Listen, the Holy Spirit's been poured out. It's the, the Feast of Pentecost. Uh, thousands are there to celebrate the feast. Thousands of Jews are there. Peter has gotten up. He's prophesied. He's preached. He's spoken about Joel. He's spoken about Jesus, whom you crucified. He's, he's told them, listen, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit. All those things. And all these thousands of people are added to them. And, and then it says this in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in... The apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Four distinct, I mean from the very beginning, four distinct priorities of the early church. Now I'm not trying to make a doctrine out of that, but I'm just saying this is how the church started. In these four distinct areas or priorities of the early church, they continued. Another translation says this, devoted themselves. Another root of that means gave themselves to. And even one uh, commentary said to give yourself to in those moments meant to abandon themselves to these things. Listen, if we really believe Jesus, we will continue. We will devote ourselves to do what he said. Jesus himself said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do this? And did we not do this? And he says, listen, I will say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I did not know you. Like, I didn't know you. I didn't know you. Listen, when we uh, say that we believe Jesus, when we say that we're sold out, we need to be very careful that the fruit of our life is lining up with those words. That our words, the fruit of our life needs to line up with our words. Those things need to be in alignment. We don't say things just to say things. It doesn't mean we're perfect. But listen, if we're speaking that we are Jesus' people, if we're speaking that we believe in the Word of God, then the fruit of our life needs to look like that. You know, last week we talked about that 
that if we really are the church and Jesus really is building it, there needs to be power. Like there needs to be something going on there. It's not just a bunch of intellectuals look uh, standing around talking about this as if it's just some fable and some book and all of us in our pious attitudes and our knowledge are just standing around like a bunch of professors going on and on, droning on and on about what we know and yet there's no fruit of that coming out of our lives. Listen, one of the things early on when I was a kid, one of the things that definitely would not go with me is if you were trying to teach me something and you weren't modeling that yourself. If I didn't see it in your life and you were trying to teach it to me, I wasn't going to listen. And some of the greatest lessons I ever had were not necessarily in the classroom, but some of the greatest lessons I ever learned, I had grease on my hands, I had grease on my head and my face, I had grease on my clothes, I had been up underneath a truck, I had had somebody else with me going, hey, here's why we're pulling this plug, here's why we're pulling these spark plugs, here's how you do this, here's how you do this, here's how you change this out, here's how you change this out. And I was learning, but I wasn't just learning about cars and motors, I was learning about hard work, I was learning about... uh, uh, Listen, if you're going to teach something, you need to know it. There needs to be fruit of it coming out of your life. Listen, I'm not a master mechanic. Listen, I can find my way around a little bit with cars and stuff like that, especially like pre-1986 or so. But, man, you get past that, you start talking about computers. Listen, I'm looking for somebody who, uh, who, who knows what to do with technology. Hey, do you know something about a computer? Hey, do you know something about this? Because I just don't know those things. I don't know them. So I don't walk around going, hey, if you got a 2009 car, I can fix that thing and I can take care of it. Because guess what? I probably can't. But pre this, I can. Why? Because it's been modeled. Because I have put the work in. Because there's fruit in my life. Listen, if we devote ourselves, that means we abandon ourselves to these things, to the Lord Jesus himself. For the early church, it was now their turn to teach what they had learned from Jesus. Like this was the moment. In Acts, this was the moment. Now they're filled with the Holy Spirit. It is their moment now to teach what they had learned from Jesus. And now through the power of the Holy Spirit, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, solidifying their relationship with Jesus and with one another. And so what's the impact of this teaching? Because so many times we look at teaching just as kind of this, oh, it's teaching, you know, it's just teaching. But we forget that in the kingdom of God, teaching carries a supernatural weight to it. Because they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, look what happens in verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods, dividing them among all as anyone had need. So continuing, again, abandoning themselves together daily with one accord in the temple and breaking a bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The apostles' teaching was so important. It's how these believers learned the life and the teachings of Jesus. And arguably, maybe the most important of the four priorities. Because it grew and matured the new believers in Jesus. Jesus taught 12 so the 12 could teach hundreds. So the hundreds could teach thousands and so on and so on and so on. So we can teach at the healing place today. Do you remember, maybe 
Maybe you remember this uh, by watching this or listening to this. But we talked about Jesus' gifts and the gift of teacher, right? And we said this, if the gift of teacher is not present, here are some things that can happen. False doctrine is rarely challenged. Doing the word is not primary. Growth is hindered. And giftedness becomes more important than character. Listen, they understood that in the early church. That's why teaching was so important. The early church established the importance of teaching. And we know teaching is not simply a natural gift, but supernatural. In 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it says this, And God appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healings. Helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, like in this lineup, apostles, prophets, teachers, and after that, miracles. Why? Because miracles do not establish our faith. It's one thing we've been talking about for weeks. Miracles are amazing. They point people to Jesus, but they do not establish our faith. We don't just need to be inspired by a miracle. We need revelation of the truth of the Word of God. Not soothing words of man's wisdom and just intellect. But we need power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit through teaching. The early church continually gave themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word while encouraging one another, right, to continue to care for one another. And the result was what? Acts 6-7. The word of God continued to increase and the numbers of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. So let's look at the teaching. 2 Peter Chapter number one. Again, we're talking about a man who was there at the beginning, the early church. And he writes this letter as really a bondservant. Yes, as an apostle, but a bondservant is the way that he words himself in writing this. And in this, he says in verse 16, talking about Not just the prophetic word, but the prophetic word of Scripture. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables. He's like, listen, we didn't just grab onto something. We didn't just believe something to believe it. It wasn't just something that we were read when we were children. When we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Listen, we have seen it. Verse 17 of 2 Peter 1. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, speaking of the baptism of Jesus. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Talking about the Mount of Transfiguration. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. The scriptures have been confirmed which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts knowing this first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy never came by the will of man but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit Listen, here's what Peter said. Even though he saw Jesus in his glory with his own eyes, even though he heard the audible voice of Father God with his own ears, he said that the prophetic word of Scripture, they had the prophetic word of Scripture confirmed. And he explained, listen, no prophecy of Scripture comes from the author's interpretation. 
It doesn't happen. But the authors only speak as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Intellectualism, gone. Moved by the Holy Spirit. Revelation, not just information. They were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Bible is God's word. Turn to 2 Timothy. And I know I'm taking you several places. But we are talking about teaching, right? (laughs) So we don't want to just kind of land in one place. We want to show you that this isn't just one little piece, one little verse. There's teaching that happens throughout the entire word of God. It's not just teaching us, but we're reading about people teaching other people. We're reading about Jesus teaching his disciples and then his disciples teaching other disciples. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this in verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And then he says this in chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you, therefore, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. This is Paul to Timothy. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Paul had left Timothy in Ephesus primarily to address false teachers and teachings. Primarily. And now in this second inspired letter to Timothy, Paul tells Timothy that through the teaching, through the teaching, the man and woman of God would be thoroughly equipped for every single good work. And Paul charges Timothy, teach and preach the scriptures. The Greek word teaching in 2 Timothy 4.2 is the same word we read in Acts 2.42 referring to the apostles' teaching. Paul, Timothy, Adon, Titus, guess what? They were not part of Jesus' original 12, yet they were gifted according to Jesus' gifts and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12, to equip, grow, and mature the body, the gifts that God has given us. We can even look in like Acts after the scattering of the believers everywhere out of Jerusalem. They, they've been dispersed everywhere. Philip comes to Samaria in Acts chapter 8 and he confronts the powers of darkness with what? Teaching and preaching. He preaches and he teaches Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And through the teaching, darkness is pushed back. The result, unclean spirits came out of people. People were saved, healed, signs, wonders, and joy filled the city through what? Teaching. Listen, teaching isn't just somebody up on a platform for an hour and then nobody says anything. Listen, teaching, right? Teaching the Word of God as anointed by the Holy Spirit. Guess what will happen? Unclean spirits will come out of people. People will be saved. People will be healed. People will be delivered. There'll be signs and wonders. And there will be unspeakable joy sometimes in a whole region. Why? Because it's supernatural. Because it's the gospel. It's the good news. And it's anointed. And then Peter and John come. And Simon the magician, what's he want? He sees all these signs and wonders doing. He's wondering how he can buy the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He gets rebuked. And we know he then, he asks, what can I do? Pray this prayer. Now, we don't 
have any other knowledge of him after that, but he's given the opportunity. Some say that he got, quote-unquote, saved. Some say he didn't. I just say this. He tried to buy the Holy Ghost, and he got rebuked for it. And then he got told how he could receive the purity of the Holy Spirit by repenting by Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, being his foundation, then he can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Peter and John come, and revival breaks out. So revival breaks out in a whole region through what? Teaching and preaching. Oh man, surely revival broke out because, you know, somebody just wrote a new worship song. No. Man, surely revival broke out because, man, the dead are just coming out of graves. No. Listen, Jesus was resurrected, right? And we know that when he died on the cross and when the veil was torn, we know that not only there were graves opening up, but guess what? There wasn't a revival. There was fear everywhere, even in the disciples. I'm talking about dead or coming to life. And the disciples are holed up in a room, scared and frightened, and Jesus comes to them. He comes right through the wall and comes to them. And what's the first thing he says? Peace. Listen, they're not having revival. They're scared. There's fear. And then he says, listen, go. You need to stay in Jerusalem. And you need to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And we know that 120, they do. And they're confused. And they're full of doubt. And there's so much going on. There's not any joy. They're not joyful. There isn't revival, but we know that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, the Holy Spirit is poured out, Peter speaks, and boom, now there's revival. How did revival happen? Well, there were tongues, yes, and people understood in their own language, but Peter still got up and he preached, and thousands weren't swept into the kingdom until he preached and he taught. And then they were all being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they were all being baptized in water. And revival broke out through what? Teaching. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance to speak. The Holy Spirit anointed them and anointed Peter to preach up out of Joel the prophecy and then speak this Jesus you just crucified, by the way. He is the King. He is the Son of the living God. That's your foundation. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Thousands are brought into the kingdom. Through teaching. Here's what the psalmist said about the word of God. Psalm chapter 1 verse 1 through 3. And this is in the Amplified. Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous and enviable. Is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly. Following their advice, their plans and purposes. Listen. Wait a second. I've got a little point on this. Nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. Listen, Jesus sat with the sinners, but he didn't sin with the sinners. Don't think you've got to reach somebody else by doing what they're doing because that's just simply a confirmation and a testimony to them that you're not changed. That's a good word right there. Somebody needs to put some explosions or some fire in the chat. I know I'm not telling you to put a lot in the chat, but just you can blow it up now. Just to put a firecracker bomb in the chat right now. 
to, to, to just say, hey, I haven't been chatting and chatting and chatting and chatting in this, but boom, drop the bomb right there. Psalm 1 goes on to say this, but his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord and on his law, the precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God. He habitually meditates, ponders, and studies by day and by night. And he shall be like a tree, firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in its seasons. Its leaf also shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. Growing and maturing. Why was it so important for the early church, the apostles' doctrine? Growth and maturity. And Jesus taught the same. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. We think that ask uh, what we want and it will be done for us means we go in some closet and we got just the right words and we're feeling the right way and all of a sudden we want this and we want this. and we... That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about if we've got the word in us, if we've got some teaching in us, if we've got anointed teaching in us and it's taken root in our life and it is now a foundational principle in our life, well, guess what? When we ask, we're now going to ask according to the will of God and we will receive it. Why? Because we have a firm foundation. Our foundation is not miracle signs and wonders. Our foundation is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, who, by the way, was not just with the word, but was the word. The early church fed on the word of God every day and it transformed how they thought, what they loved, and how they lived. How do we know that? Let's read it again. Acts 2, 42. Acts 2, 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. Fear came upon every soul. Wonders and signs were done through the apostles. All who believed were together. Remember how they thought what they loved, and how they lived, right? They were all together, had all things, sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They didn't avoid each other Monday through Saturday. Breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God. So that means from house to house and in small groups. They didn't sit around watching college football and just talking about Whatever. It meant that they were worshiping in houses. They were praising in houses. They were teaching in houses. They were breaking bread in houses. They were praying in houses. And having favor with all the people. Now when that says having favor with all the people, that doesn't mean that everybody loved them as we know going into Acts 3. Didn't take long. But having favor, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that everybody loved them, but it didn't mean that everyone had a recognition that something was going on in these people that wasn't just them. And the Lord added to the church, not building, the church, people, daily, those who were being saved. Now, there's going to be something that we're going to do on campus, and I think it'd be cool if you'd kind of join with us. Sometimes what happens online is a little bit different than on campus. But we had this idea, like, what, what is a way that we can, we can kind of get this in our minds of teaching? And when we were in a staff meeting, someone said, what about apples? You know, give your teacher an apple. 
Some would say an apple a day, right? Some would say, oh, an apple is the original sin. Read your Bible. And don't even get me started on that tangent. I know Dallas is behind the camera right now going, don't get him started on that tangent. There ain't no apple trees in that garden, y'all. They're not there. They covered themselves with leaves. They weren't from an apple tree. It's from a fig tree. Yet I digress. <laughs> but here's how you can, here's how you can uh, be a part of this. I think it'd be cool, just as a reminder. Maybe if you've got an apple in your house, or maybe you can just drop by the grocery store, just buy an apple. Just buy an apple, one apple, just one apple. Whatever it is now, I don't even know what it is. Tanya does that. She loves that. But just get an apple. Take a bite of that apple. Eat that apple. And just think about the supernatural gift that the Lord has given us of teaching. Of teaching. What did it mean when we would bring an apple to a teacher? Well, normally it meant that we were saying thank you. Right? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. You've been more than just a teacher to me, but, but you've used your gift to help me, to help grow me and mature me. And so can, can you do that? Just Maybe you don't like an apple. Okay, I get it. Well, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's just looking at a picture of an apple. Whatever it is. Just in some small way. Don't fixate on it. But in some small way, look at an apple. Partake of an apple. And as you do, just give thanks to the Lord. That God has given us this avenue of teaching. This supernatural gift. And that we want to be reminded that not one single seed of that word would ever fall on hard soil, our hearts, and be washed away. That we wouldn't allow the world to choke it out and steal that seed of that word from us. We're going to enjoy the sweetness of this apple to be reminded to give thanks to the Lord for His word, for teaching us, for giving us people who have taught us the word of God and help to grow us and mature us. And then one more thing, and we're probably not even going to do this on campus. So this is just special just for you. Why don't you shoot a text message right now to somebody who's taught you the Word of God? Somebody who you just have an appreciation of. Maybe somebody that when they were teaching you, you didn't like them because you didn't like what they were teaching because you didn't want to do it. You know, some of the greatest teachers in our lives were actually people we didn't like in real time. But when we become adults and we grow up and we mature, we see how God used them in our lives to be a blessing to us and to help us. Can you just send out a text, even make a phone call so they can hear your voice? Just say, hey, thank you so much for teaching me the Word of God. Man, because of that, man, God has done some things through my life. Because of that, I've been so encouraged. Because of that, I was able to grow in Jesus. And listen, that's going to be our takeaway today. That's going to be our landing place today. And I do pray that God would just speak to your heart today. I do pray that God would give you a love for His Word beyond any place and season you've ever been in your life. That God would move upon your heart. All right? Apple, text or phone call, right? Apple, give thanks to the Lord for His Word. Text message, phone call, thanks someone for being just like the early apostles and disciples who taught so that people could grow and mature and become more like Jesus. May the Lord bless you guys. We love you.